I'm just not feeling it. I've said those words or their equivalent to myself either in my head or under my breath so many times. And I bet you have too. Because it's a universal experience when we find ourselves in the middle of relationships or places or situations that we never wanted to be in. And we don't like it there because it's hard to act where love is difficult, where our talents are needed or maybe just our presence, but I'm not feeling it. It's easy in those situations when things are hard, when disappointment and awkwardness stare us in the face to look for any excuse, an excuse to walk away, an excuse to walk out, an excuse to remove ourselves, to hoard ourselves to ourselves. It's hard to steward ourselves. Now, we do this because we do not fully grasp what we are and what we are called to be. We do these things because we're afraid. Afraid that if we give away our time, our skills, our talents, our loves, we won't have enough. What if a real need comes along and we've used up all of our love? This might make sense in the world's economy of service. But the shrewd steward knows that in the divine economy, love works differently. Now, if we've learned anything over the last few Sundays, it's that when God calls us to be shrewd and wise stewards, that call will apply to things and places in our lives that we never expected, that we didn't think about. How are we to steward our hospitality and our fellowship? What about our church family? How are we to steward the rich history of Anglican communal spiritual growth and formation? Father West, over the last three weeks, has challenged us to a more expansive vision of the things we are called to steward, reminding us what real wisdom and shrewdness looks like in the kingdom of God. Now, a heart for service is rightly one of the personality traits of this church. It should be. And it's not just for all saints, but for all saints everywhere. It has to be. It's our calling. The Bible is wound around and through with this calling. But what is this service we are called to, and how do we shrewdly steward it? How do we take our time, our talents, our heart, our love, and use them to serve others? All of our readings this morning focus on this calling. They explain it. They show examples of it in action. And most importantly, they speak to the divine mysteries that lie at the center of it. The twin mysteries of stewarding God's love. Because that's what we are called to do. We seek to have our hearts tuned to serve and be faithful stewards of our service. I see you all do this 
over and over again. I see you carrying God's love from your full hearts to those suffering, those wounded, the sick, those in need. And I want us to see clearly who and what we are. We are vessels of divine love with hearts full of God's mercy, ready to be poured out on those in need. Listen to that hard passage from John's first epistle. The apostle says that we know God's love because he has given it to us. His sacred heart pierced through with love has led him to become one of us and to die for us. Through his gift of divine love and mercy, we can claim his love as our own. And in claiming it, we become stewards of it. All that is required is that we must love one another. But I have a secret. I don't always really like people. (laughs) Some of us, okay, all of us aren't terribly likable. We're messy, we're awkward, we're petty, we're mean, we're cruel, we're needy. We can be so hard to like, but not to love. Why? The love of the woman at Bethany is such a beautiful and powerful picture. She and her actions are mentioned in each of the Gospels with slight variations. I like Matthew's because of its sparseness. A woman arrives with a great treasure. What does she do with it but pour it on Jesus' head while he's sitting at the dinner table? I get uncomfortable just thinking about the awkwardness. And it's obvious from all the gospel text how shocking this is. So why does she do it? She does it out of a deep love for Jesus. And we all know that love will make us do weird and awkward things. But she acts this way because she understands her own unlikableness. I think I just came up with that word. And that in spite of that, Jesus loves her. And she responds to that love by taking the most valuable thing that she has and with an extravagance, mirroring the extravagance of divine love, she pours it all over Jesus. And we must do the same thing. Giving our time, our talents, and love, we must bring our most prized possession ourselves and pour them out as an offering like this woman on Christ's body, the church. This is what John is talking about when he asks, how can we truly understand and have the love of God knowing who we are and were and that God came and died for us anyway And yet we refuse to give that love. His love, 
the gifts and things he has given to us, to those united to that same Jesus. Unlikable, sure, we all are, but how can anyone be unlovable when God loved us enough to die for us? It's not possible. It's unthinkable that those two things could coexist. When we accept the love of Jesus, it becomes ours. And so we are called to be wise and shrewd stewards of that love. And what does it look like? The Apostle John tells us that our love should look like Jesus' love. Laying down our lives for each other. Now, most of us, thankfully, won't be called to a literal death. But we are called to the thousand and ten thousand little deaths. Giving up our time, our talents, our service to God as a love offering and getting it back enlarged, enriched, and transformed by his spirit and grace. We steward his love by being his love and by giving his love away. This is the mystery of the divine economy of love that in giving and handing over is divine abundance. And in hoarding and grasping, there is only losing and emptiness. Nehemiah understood this. Let's look at his example and learn what the shrewd steward of love looks like. The beginning of Nehemiah is one of my favorite passages. Now, I couldn't ask for you to sit through the entire first two chapters, but go back and read them sometime. Put yourself in Nehemiah's place. See his shrewd stewardship of his love and his heart for service. Nehemiah has it all, position, power, ease. I don't know exactly what a cupbearer does besides bearing cups, but it doesn't sound terribly difficult. But Nehemiah, when he hears of the desolation of Jerusalem, the city of God, he weeps for days. His love for God is such that hearing of the desolation of God's holy city leaves him in tears. So what do we learn? Nehemiah sees a need. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and in ruins, and he asks himself, weeping fasting, praying, that he might learn if it's God's will that this should be restored and if he is called to be God's instrument of service. Then he acts. I don't exactly know what being a cupbearer has to do with engineering and rebuilding walls, but for Nehemiah, God's call to love and service is good enough. But still, he's shrewd in his preparations. He tests and makes sure that he is in God's will. And doors open before him. He finds favor with the king. When Nehemiah becomes convinced of his calling, he gives away his life. To the divine call, he leaves his place, the palace, his comfortable life an honored position, and goes to the desolation of Jerusalem and finds there in his sacrifice the rich fulfillment of his love. 
Resistance, though it is present, is of little concern to Nehemiah because he is confident because of his shrewdness. How the hand of God has been good upon him. Nehemiah is shrewd when he gets to Jerusalem. He is wise and careful in the ways he goes about his plan because the call to divine love is not a call to irrational recklessness. The great responsibility of God's love and service is such that we must be shrewd stewards. And Nehemiah, like the woman at Bethany, also highlights for us the second mystery of divine love. When God gives us his love and his heart to serve, he calls us to a divine partnership. Bringing ourselves as offerings to God, we are transformed into instruments of God's divine love in the world. For Nehemiah, he brings about God's plan of restoring Jerusalem. For the woman at Bethany, she is allowed to anoint the Lord's body for burial. But with these two mysteries, there are two dangers or temptations that we must avoid. First, it can be tempting as we look at the pain and the evil that surrounds us, as we see the need to despair, to look around us at the vastness of sin to see its many-fingered tentacles that reach into every crack and crevice of creation and then back at ourselves, to look at the shortness of our time, the meagerness of our talents, the smallness of our love, and to say, what's the point? And we are tempted to take the divine love that would transform that time, that would enrich that talent that would enlarge our love and bury it and do nothing. Friends, this is not shrewd stewardship. Another danger is to see the wonderful ways in which our times and talents are used in the service of others and to begin to think that we are doing something. And so we substitute pride for despair and this also is not shrewd stewardship. Now the psalmist is aware of these evils and warns us. The shrewd steward does not fret about the evil ones. What are they in comparison to the Lord? He knows that it is his task to trust and to do the good he is called to do. To wait patiently for God. To steward the divine love and his service, confident that God will ultimately give him his heart's desire, the desire of God's own heart, righteousness and justice in the land. The shrewd steward understands these twin mysteries, that despite our sin and brokenness, our unlikableness, every one of us is terribly and wonderfully lovable. And we know this because the one who is love made himself like one of us and loved us to the end. All the way to death and through death and he sits enthroned on high and through his spirit gives us his love to each and every one of us. Now, this instant, always, 
no matter how unlikable we might be. And if he loves us like that, how can we not have our hearts moved to love each other, to love like he did, giving up ourselves, our times, our talents to serve even the least of these, and in giving to find so much more, to find ourselves transformed into becoming agents and vessels of divine love, to becoming his love. I know of no greater mysteries than these. O Lord, who is above all, Incline our hearts to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would value what you value, desire to be with you and follow you as you desire to be with us, and fill us with your great mercy and compassion so that with hearts full of your love we may serve those whom you love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who displayed your love to the end and ascended to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.